I'm always impressed when like a guest prints out the plan. <laughs> I-, I feel underprepared. Yeah. At the beginning of lockdown, when obviously working from home, like they're like, oh, what equipment do you need? And I was like, a printer. And I, I left my job and no one's kind of figured out whether or not I need to give things back. So now I have a printer and I'm definitely taking advantage of using it whenever I can. That is why I'm prepared. I can't remember the last time I printed something. You don't have a printer in your house? No. Don't you ever need to print the return labels like the Amazon return labels? That's all, that's all done on the app now. You just scan the code. You still have to print the label. No, they do it at the post office. And anyway, they used to, you didn't have to print it off anyway. They just peel it off the return thing and stick it on. You may have limited options in your area, that's why. You're not, you're not in London, in it. that's why. I mean, these options are better. <laughs> I don't need to print it off. <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Conway. And I'm your other host, Hamish Lackman. And uh, today we're joined by a call out from Rohini's episode and co-founder of the Visible Platform, Olivia. Hey, you Olivia? And would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, good. Yeah, my name is Olivia. I uh, am 25. As you said, I'm a call out from Rohini. Rohini and I know each other from uni. We went to Kings together in London. And now I'm here to talk about Visible Platform and basically what we've been getting up to in the lockdown. I guess like Rohini, you said there you met her at uni. Did you do the same course? No, we um we lived together in first year. We were in the same halls. I remember like arriving a day late as well. So I think like for that whole day, everyone thought that I was going to be the ghost in the apartment. Because I'm like, she seems so quiet. Why do we hear no sound from her door? And then I like came through the door and they're like, oh, she actually hasn't arrived. And I think we went to Freshers Fair together. And then they did like a treasure hunt as like a Freshers intro that I had missed. But Rohini was on like a mission to win it and obviously won. And it was like tickets to fabric. So like me, Rohini and oh, a, another one of our flatmates all went to fabric together. And it was like my first night out in London. I was like 18 years old. It was like, what? what is this? I haven't heard of it. Is it a good club? It was such like a mix of people. So I think from there on, we've been fast friends. Fabric was the place that I always like, I don't know, it was always known as a place where like people just went to do drugs and stuff. That completely went over my head when I went the first time. I know I like since I'm like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> when he was talking about that, I was like, so Rohini wasn't actually someone we knew either. Rohini was friends with Ria, yeah. who we knew. So I was just wondering, is that like the first time we've had like a call out from a call out that we didn't know? If you if you butcher this sound, that that guess is gonna get at you. So well done. No, no, that's that's <laughs> like a it's like a pretty uh the network is expanding. <laughs> 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 no, I've realized it isn't. It didn't take me long to realize I haven't. And you mentioned there as well, co-founder of Visible Platform. So yeah, would you just like to, I guess, just give us like a bit of a, a rundown of what, what is Visible? Yeah, so Visible Platform is a space for people to report incidents of sexual harassment on the London Underground. We hope that it can be any transport eventually, but we're sticking with the London Underground to kind of make it perfect. And we accept any report, like doesn't matter what happened, what your definition of harassment is, or how long ago it happened. It all came out of a place of, you know, I was on a tube um, going to the airport and like, I remember this guy just like staring at me and it was like disgusting leering. It wasn't just like, oh, I've stoned out and I'm accidentally staring at you. There was like licking lips and I had like my suitcase like in between us. And it was the weird, like, he's not doing anything. Like, he's not, you know, he's not encroaching my territory. But, and there's so many people around. Like, you don't want to make a scene, but you just feel really gross. I got off the tube 
and I stopped and thought I wish I could do something like I wish I could report it but he just stared at me like if you look at like CCTV what can you really do and I don't want to waste police time and like all of these thoughts that go through your head of like what can I do so I like rang my best friend release of just talking to someone could be like yeah that's disgusting or oh my god that's just so annoying and on that phone call we were like I just wish there was like somewhere I could report like any incident of harassment like I wouldn't have to feel bad about thinking it wasn't serious enough and like we could collect this data because so many women must get harassed without reporting it because they don't think it's serious enough or they don't think it's like going to change anything. So we're like, oh, I wish that existed. Um, and she replied just saying, well, why don't we make that? And that was when it started. And that was like August 2019. And then from then, it just, I guess, spiraled into something so much bigger, which is really exciting. And I think we realized that there's a gap there because like, even though I'm talking to my friend, there's no data there. Like that incident isn't getting recorded anywhere. And we wanted to provide a place for women or anyone else who gets harassed to report their incident in the same way you would tell your friend just to get that release and to know that that report is being listened to but without the I guess pressure or stigma of like oh was it serious enough or I don't want to waste people's time so we've really tried to make this reporting feature that works for the person who's been harassed like we might want it to be really easy to use like when you've been harassed that's already a burden that's already something that's got in the way of your day and the last thing you want is then for you to have to jump through circles to report it you want it to be a really easy slick and smooth process that's what we are trying to create yeah i went onto uh the website and then you've got like a like a big report button at the top and in the middle and it's just like you don't even need to like fill out an account or anything or sign up you just fill out a form exactly um so we've got like the website where you can, as you say, you can go on and click the report button. And then we've got, we're in the process of developing a chatbot, which we're using Facebook Messenger. Because again, the idea of that is most people have Facebook Messenger on their phone without having to you know, download another app. And you can report an incident as it's happening, or you can report an incident that's happened in the past. And you can also report an incident that you're witnessing, which I think is like really important. You know, there's been so many times where you maybe see something happening but I know for for so many reasons you don't get involved like you don't want to make it worse or you're scared or you're not sure what you could possibly do and knowing that there's a place that you can report it say I saw this happening and we you know ask you things like where did it happen what time of day and the idea is that if we collect all this data we'll start to see trends of like where is it happening and how often is it happening and who is it happening to? And, you know, we've met with the police and we're talking to the British Transport Police about how we could share this data. Even though I didn't report to the police, we are not anti-reporting to the police. If anything, we like encourage it. But we recognise that there are just always going to be barriers to people reporting. And we want to provide a place which can report that otherwise wouldn't have existed. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what you kind of answered there, but like, what do you do with the data? Because... Like on the website, I don't see like anywhere where, I don't know if you even can do this, but like show what people have reported or anything, or if that's like against like. We've talked about things like that. Like I think the way around that, we've talked about the idea of doing like data visualization. So, hmm. you know, maybe being able to show like through graphics of like how many times it's happened in a day or what line is it happening to. But again, we don't, you know, you don't want to make people like afraid of a certain line. So yeah, we, you go in and you are asked like, what station you're on, what line you're on, what time of day, what date, what age you are, 
we ask you demographic questions like who you are and um, which are all optional and then we also ask you to describe the incident and like what happened um, and if it's happening right now we ask you things like if you're on the train like can you see a carriage number because that's something I would never think to look at if it was happening to me and um, but that's something that could be really useful for the police and the benefit of this is that so you report it as it's happening because it's, it's on your phone. It's just like texting your friend. But then say you get off the train, you're like, I do actually want to report it to the police. Obviously, details start to get fuzzy and like remembering a traumatic incident is always terrifying. So you can access your report either on the Facebook Messenger app or if you email us and ask us for if you've done it on the website, we can give you the report. So when you go to the police, you have almost like a witness statement prepared because you can see everything that's happened. Maybe, I don't know if you can extract certain words from each thing. Like you could probably run some basic algorithm that's out there that will let you extract certain keywords. I would like the most common words between them. And that will basically let you like say, maybe help categorize them or say that this is how many of these reports we have. When someone said something along these lines. I'm not sure how technical you are or so, but data vision, when you speak <laughs> of data visualization, that's, that puts you in quite a technical area. It is honestly like the definition of imposter syndrome whenever we're standing here having meetings and we're like yes we've designed this chatbot and like talking about these things because my background is definitely not tech but it's definitely a world that you kind of think kind of thrown into with creating a web-based platform start picking up the right lingo yeah we're, we're both uh, computer scientists oh amazing if you guys want to get involved with visible we're always looking for people so come on board <laughs> i was gonna say i'm a, I'm a like a web designer web developer i was like the website looks uh really nice really uh really clean thank you and like easy to use yeah aaron doesn't like anyone's website looking better than his so if it if it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool from like a business point of view like how did that all so you said at the bottom, like at the bottom, at the very beginning, like how you're on a phone call to your friend and you're kind of just like, okay, let's, let's start this. What was the next step? Yeah, it honestly feels like so long ago now and it, everything has just gone so quickly. So it's hard to remember being back at that yeah. stage. We just started doing a lot of research into what is reported so far. Like what do we collect? And we found like a lot of reports that showed like 90% of women don't report harassment on the London Underground. And again, that kind of got us really motivated of like, how can we flip that statistic? How can we make it that 90% of women do and 10% don't? Um, and thinking about all the different reasons that women don't. So we we tried to just do a lot of research first. And then we created like a survey to go out to some of our friends and then friends of friends. And we sent it to a bunch of university groups just to get people to fill it out about harassment on the London Underground. And like, Again, why don't you report? What would make you want to report? And seeing what was missing. And then from that, we designed the website. And this we, we use a type form on the website. So we started there. And that was kind of the MVP, minimum viable product. That was like, it, it works, but it obviously needs to, it has a lot to improve on. And I think the most incredible thing about being part of Visible Platform is that we've had so many like amazing women and men come on board being like, I really want to help. On Rahini's other call-out is a girl called Eve. And Eve is a content creator. So she works in a video production company at the moment. So she came on board and like helped us with the website and helped us like really fine-tune our socials. There was another girl who we didn't know who was designing something similar. And she, like someone put her in contact with us and now we're all part of the same team. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, her name is Natasha and she's a UX designer. So again, now we're kind of putting all of our 
different experiences and skills into creating this. Now I think we've got like a really slick website. We have a reporting, you know, we have a community of women now, like especially on Instagram. There are so many like-minded organizations that are trying to end sexual harassment. We have things like Our Street Now or Cheer Up Love and all of these uh, and cute cat calls that all have like 20,000 followers. And even though we have a few hundred, they are still like promoting us and like vice versa. And it feels like a really like supportive community of like we're all trying to, we're all working towards the same goal. So that's how we went from, I guess, an idea to this big. Now we actually have things that you can use and we have databases for recording all the data and keeping it safe and protected. Yeah, I think the big missing factor is funding. So if anyone is listening and wants to fund us, that would be great because, you know, doing it after work is fun, but it would be nice to do it if it was a full-time job. Yeah, I was going to ask about like, yeah, funding and like, is it, is it just going to be like non-profit? At the moment, I can't I can imagine an obvious way to earn money from it. The way we're thinking about it at the moment is like very much we'd like it to be a business and we've seen, you know, different, like the crime survey for England and Wales, they uh, hire different organisations to collect data for them in different respects. So we would love to be able to collect data and be able to sell it for things like that or for like researchers or think tanks. But we, we're, di- we're applying for different kind of accelerator programmes that put funding in and help you kind of create that business model and make it really strong. Earlier, you said about as well the way you report it. You give the basic the report or the witness statement back to the person to go to it. So, do you ever report it to the police on their behalf? Because wouldn't that make it easier? We've said that we can, but we definitely at the moment. I think that's more of a what we'd want to go to, but we need to have that arrangement with the police. We've talked about it with them, but we haven't put anything formal in yet. So we're working towards seeing what that would look like. And at the moment, we just say like. We can send you a report if you want to take it to the police with the view that one day we will be able to just do that. Also on the website, I see, um, I'm always impressed when I see this like featured in or as seen in and you've got like a few like magazines and the independent. Do do you see when that happens? Do you see like a boost in usage? A hundred percent. As we said, we got, the team is like, it's me and my best friend Kate and Kate is now working on it full time from Gothenburg. And then we had Natasha Reese and Eve all working on it as well and now we've got someone called Stephanie so this is a really really hard working team and I think throughout like meeting different contacts we got in contact with a group called We Can't Consent to This they were campaigning to um, get rid of the rough sex defence okay. which is an incredible cause and they're, they're really really powerful and they got us in, they gave us a few contacts with the independent so we emailed one of them um, and they were interested in the story and I definitely think the way we've like handled our first interview compared to like our most recent, you know, obviously the first time we were like, oh my God, someone wants to listen to us. And we were like, here's all the data, like here's everything. We're so excited. And I think now, like kind of as you said in the beginning about knowing like what, you know, your your script off by heart or feeling comfortable. It used to be, we were like, okay, do you know what you're going to say? Okay, physical platform is this. You can report yeah. harassment. And now like we're like, oh yeah, this is what we do and we love it. So we did see a bit of a spike in the independent. And then we got the new statesman, which again was so exciting and really loved the article. And then Stylist Magazine, which I don't know if either of you read. It was like my go-to. It's probably the only magazine I read like religiously. They used to give it out free at the tube every Wednesday. So that's always been like a little bit of the pipe dream. It's like, oh, we could be in Stylist Magazine. So when we actually got interviewed by them, 
it was like a dream come true. We were like, oh my goodness. And from, I think, all of the articles, we definitely saw a spike in people visiting the website, but especially the Silas one, because it was just so, I think, just the nature of the magazine. People share it a lot and get really excited about it. Do they still give it out on the tube? No, I don't think so. Um, you can subscribe. They've gotten a completely online version now. Um, and then the stylist that we were featured in, they've got a website separate from the magazine. So it was the website that we were featured in. They also send hard copies to your flat if you subscribe. So yeah, they're, they're getting there. They're still making sure they're in everyone's consciousness. Yeah, and I guess the funding side of it, you'd need that for like advertising and just getting the name out because i imagine something like an ad on one of the chains would be like pretty massive exactly we talked to tfl like way back in the beginning so we're definitely very open that we're here and this is what we're doing so hopefully that is something we could look into doing i think that the like most exciting thing about it is like because everyone knows that this is an issue people are generally really willing to listen and think about ways that we could make like solve it and like how could it be supported so even like i think that's the best thing about yeah we do want it to be a viable business but whether or not we get funding we're still doing it it just changes what the day-to-day looks like but we're still doing it because we both care so much about it and people are reporting incidents we set up this business for reporting harassment on the london underground the month before lockdown happened <laughs> and three more lockdowns have happened two more so there's three in total and they were still getting reports either from people saying that it happened years ago and i just haven't had a place to report it or we're getting reports when the lockdown was slightly lifted from like october november of it happening now so, you know, like even in a pandemic, it still happens. It doesn't go away. So I think there is an appetite for something out there for a space for people to report incidents. I feel like even with some of the girls that we speak to, like they'll like just normally say like, oh, it was just a creep on the train or something. But like, how do you get rid of that mentality where it's normalized? Like, what would you, te- what would you say to them to help push like these acts to like make it stop being it normalized and get rid of it entirely. Obviously, you may not get you get rid of it entirely. That would be really nice, but you may be able to stop a lot more. So, what would you like say to them? I think that's like, like such a good point because that's exactly what we're trying to do because it is so normalized, and that's partly why we don't report. What we always say is that it's not normal. You know, we tend to like our bar for what is harassment is so much higher than the legal threshold, and I think you know, from speaking to friends similar to yours where it's like oh yeah but you know he stared at me but at least he didn't touch me but oh yeah he he grabbed me but at least he didn't follow me he followed me but at least I got away like it could have been worse like there are women who have it so much worse and I think like this escalation of how bad it has to be to be seen as worthwhile of reporting is what we're really trying to like get rid of and that's one of the reasons why we say we accept every incident because it all plays into this wider rhetoric of people being harassed on the tube and just women in public life i think like when i've told people about what physical is a lot of the times we do get women who are like oh yeah that's happened to me like so many times like and we're hoping that just by providing people a space that it's completely acceptable to report it no one's going to ask you was it serious was it was it a significant incident because as soon as someone asks you like was it serious? You're like, well, no, sorry. Sorry for making a fuss. So we're trying to just get rid of, we accept everything because we honestly, like, it's not just a slogan. We genuinely think everything is important because it all feeds into this picture. 
and I think it also like adds on to like even though it shouldn't do it adds on to like a shameful or embarrassing I think thought process but yeah so like I don't know is there any other words that you could add on to maybe help make them think like maybe at least think twice about it and then maybe you know try and report it I don't know if, if that sounds right I don't know if that even made sense <laughs> no I think I think there is a lot of shame I think you know for a whole host of reasons I think like even though we never ask what you're wearing when you're harassed, we do not care. So many reports, people reference what they're wearing. It's like, oh, it happened, but I was wearing a hoodie. Like I thought I was Trying being to, like, sensible. Justify it kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really sad because people are saying things like, you know, oh, I thought I was dressed sensibly or I, I wore this so it wouldn't happen. Or like, well, I guess I was wearing something revealing, but and it's like, oh my goodness, like that's so ingrained in our in our brains that we think that even though we don't victim blame, don't victim shame is such a thing, it's still there. And I think that comes across in the ways that like in all the things that we do to mitigate against harassment, you know, like, oh, I don't get the tube after this time by myself or I make sure I'm with someone or like I always make sure I'm wearing like a coat. So I, I completely agree that there is a lot of shame. And I think, again, that's just we are trying to like make visible like the new normal. So, you know, everyone's talking about like, oh, when we come out of lockdown, like, what are the things that we will keep? Like, what are the things that we will continue doing? And maybe it's like, you know, better working balance from home. And we definitely, and what we've said to TFL and British Transport Police, we want Visible Platform to be part of the new normal. It is normal to report harassment on the London Underground. Like, it is normal, like, you're not alone. And that's part of the story of building a community of women who all know that this exists in the same way that, like, everyone has city mapper. Y'all know that if you're lost, you can just go on City Mapper and find your way out. We kind of want to be a similar thing of, you know, everyone knows that we're here. We know that there's going to be support and reporting harassment on the tube should be the normal, not being harassed and just thinking that like, oh yeah, but that's part of being a woman in London. Like you just have to get over it. We're really, really trying to create rhetoric against that. That's that's a good like marketing line when uh, lockdown lifts, like the new normal <laughs> visible. So currently it's only TFL, I guess. And will it ever expand to, you know, those the Virgin Trains and everything in London, Midlands, whatever it's called? Yeah, we really hope so. We're in conversations with people who work in like, I'm trying to think what the company is now, but like there's the real delivery group and in different um, transport networks. I think one thing that is like really open, we had no idea how excited people got about trains. And every time we have a meeting with like someone from the real delivery group or from these train organizations, people love them. And like, we're all saying like, are we starting to love them? Are we going to be trained people now? But we're starting to have those meetings now um, and thinking about, you know, different rail providers have talked about putting our like posters in their bathrooms. So that's definitely something we want to do. The only reason, and we have had people who have reported incidents say like, oh, why aren't you on the buses or why? Why can't I report a train? And only reason is because we want to get the questions we ask and the reporting feature like perfect. We want to make sure that we're asking the right questions, we're collecting the right data. So then once we have the base set, we can then expand it to meet these different network needs. And the tube is quite an easy one because obviously all the lines and stations, it's quite an easy one to base it off and then we can expand from there. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a model where I don't know, you can expand it in so many ways. You even said like you have a friend who's working on it in Gothenburg in Sweden. Yeah. So like it could potentially even be something that goes like international. If it's like, you mentioned at the beginning how you want it to be so simple, you're just filling out kind of like a form 
or poutine. Yeah. So going back to what you said before about like how it went from that idea to something more, there was another app that I followed, shout out to them, called New Wardrobe. They're a clothes sharing provider. So instead of selling clothes, you can swap them or you can just borrow. So it's a really, really cool idea. But I remember it started in Trinity College, Dublin. And I only heard about it because I had a few friends who went there and they were tagging their dresses. It was like new wardrobe. I was like, oh, I want to buy that. I was like, oh, I can't. And it was, I remember seeing it from just like a really ordinary Instagram to then a few years later, it looked like this really slick business. And I was like, wow, how did, how did they like do that? Like, that's so cool. And I emailed the founder and just kind of out of the blue, like, this is what we, like, this is who I am. This is our idea. We have no idea what to do with it. Do you have any tips? And she got back to me and was like, oh, hey, do you want to meet for a coffee after work? And she was based in London. We went to the Shoreditch Grind, had cocktails and just talked about like how to build a business. And she like showed me all these different like business plans and how to do it. And again, this goes back to the point of when people hear about it, they are so supportive and practical as well. It's not just, oh, that sounds great. I love it. Well done. It's like, okay, well, how can we get there? And it's a lot of very educated and excited women who are like giving us a lot of force. And she was the first one who was like, yeah, I can see this in like America or in Mexico. And like, oh, I can see how you could take this from London to like all these different countries. And I think that's when we started getting really enthusiastic. Like this isn't just something for London. This is something that could expand. No, that's really cool. I love hearing like stuff like that where just like people helping other people out. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a bit on, you touched a bit on like COVID. Did it give you like time to kind of work on it a bit more, fine tune things, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. We hadn't actually launched it before the first lockdown. We didn't, the reporting feature didn't exist until August. So that entire period, um, it wasn't as if there, we, there was a reporting feature that people could have been reporting in and were losing out. It really gave us that time to build the website and to like figure out our branding. And like, what's the voice we want to have? And how are we going to go about it? And I think like, especially my my old job, the hours were quite flexible. So I could start at 10. And that gave us loads of time for early morning meetings with government or with other people who wanted to get involved. And I think that was something that, you know, I didn't even think about at the time, but had it not been for lockdown, being able to do a nine to 10 meeting and then go to my job at 10 wouldn't have been possible. So that's definitely something that helped. And just having, yeah, more time to do things like if there's I can do it in my lunch break without having you know trying to fit in my lunchtime go get a coffee come back like it's all a little like all those little things become a little bit easier but definitely about trying to define like when does work stop and when does you know that I think everyone's kind of struggling with that like you bring work home with you when to shut the laptop and when part of your work is something that you're a business you're creating it's hard to do that because you want to put as much time into it as possible have you ever seen it or have you just like turned a blind eye to it yourself? There's not, there's not painting you in a bad note, Aaron. This is just like me asking. Oh, you're talking to me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, not that I can like recall. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm just like on my phone. I try not to even like look at people yeah, on the train. That's, that's <laughs> like, the train. <laughs> I try to just like, yeah, not make eye contact with anyone. It's hard because I think like a lot of the influence from just, again, one of the reasons we created this wasn't just because of my incident. It was like, having colleagues come in crying because it had happened or having friends tell me like oh yeah I never wear this skirt because that one time it happened and I think a lot of the times it will be like crowded trains and someone grabbing you because it's not obvious and like you can't be like hey you grabbed my ass and it's like oh no sorry like it's just because we're we're squished in together Hmm. so I think those kind of things it is harder to witness yeah 
Yeah. I, was, I wanted to touch on the, you mentioned there how you applied for funding and then changed like your business a bit and then applied again. When you first applied for funding, what was kind of the feedback? I think we've just expanded a lot. We didn't get um, a huge amount of feedback of like, this is what you need to change. But I think when we applied for funding the first time around, we had just created the website and we had created dummy form that you could report harassment, but it wasn't like going anywhere. So it was more of an exposition of like, this is what it will be. Whereas the second time we've applied, we now have the website, we have, we're developing the chatbot, we're collecting reports. We've now been in the independent New Statesman and Stylist, like, People are talking about us. So again, that was just a completely different, it's a different company. Now this is like something that is working and people are using compared to an idea of something that people might use. Yeah. And what's kind of, we've touched on it briefly, like mentioned in this conversation, but what's the future plans? Like what's the roadmap looking like? The ideal would be able to get funding at some point, but the, uh, the roadmap would be figuring out what that sharing agreement would look like with British Transport Police, like how can we work with them? What does that look like? We want to have the chatbot. Short term again would be like having the chatbot working. So everyone, because at the moment it's just in testing stages. So we want to get it that it is something that you could use. So I think that's something that would be a massive game changer because it is something that is just like texting your friend and knowing that that's a report. Um, and then long term would be a definitely like expanding the service on different networks and different forms of transport. Where, where should people like? Oh just, uh, <laughs> where where should like people go check it out? Yeah, if anyone wants to find out more, you can definitely check out our website, which is visibleplatform.org. We also have an Instagram at visibleplatform. We also have Twitter, which is again visibleplatform. And then, yeah, so all these different, and we've got a Facebook. So if you just look us up in our socials, everything you need to know is there. And you know, if you email us, it is just me and my best friend. All that email address happy to talk we are both very chatty northern irish girls so we will always happy to start a conversation so if you have any questions just get in touch well, as always we'll put the links to all that in the description awesome thank you signally check that out do you have like an elevator pitch not officially because i think the taglines that we haven't said are like mind the data gap which is definitely our we've actually trademarked oh that is something that might be interesting to talk oh, i about love region. that i love mind that the thing. data gap that is sick <laughs> So what was so bizarre was that we had done a trademark and then like I got, a, like I worked in law. So I got a um, a letter from Gap about our trademark application. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> um, just from asking, Gap as in the clothing brand? Yeah. Asking us to basically put like a disclaimer that we we didn't mean that Gap. Like we won't, we can only use Gap if we're saying just a Gap. Like it's a different Gap. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you could say this is a bit more of a different career direction for you what were you doing before what are you doing now in terms of your day job that you mentioned all yeah it's a massive change i think especially the day that we're doing this interview my last day at my old job was friday uh, and i'm starting my new job on wednesday yeah so i was working in the legal department of a hospital so i studied politics philosophy and law and honestly went into it not wanting to do law thought it was interesting liked the way that like politics philosophy and law all influence how we live our lives but probably wanted to do something a little bit more creative like journalism or maybe something in comms but just never really found the thing and I did a work experience at a comms agency and it was I guess a cool experience but like they were doing things like PR for coca-cola or facebook and all these like big names really exciting and i just couldn't care less i was like i do not care about making these companies richer and i just find it difficult to motivate myself and i think visible 
was such a good I honestly couldn't have seen it coming but it showed me as you guys kind of hinted at the beginning this techie world a world I would have never have looked into but it introduced us to the tech for good movement so the place that we've applied for funding is called Bethnal Green Ventures and they are an accelerator and they invest in different startups different startups that are trying to make a positive impact in the world so whether that's like an environmental cause or a social cause that's the kind of ethos of the company and that company I mentioned at the beginning, New New Wardrobe, they were fund they got funding by Bethlehem Green Ventures. So they're the ones who introduced us. And then I saw over summertime that they were hiring for a communications and events associate. I applied and that's where I'm going on Wednesday. So excited to go into like a startup world and especially one that is focusing on making the world a better place. If that doesn't sound too cheesy. So it's an accelerator you're going to. Yeah. But it's also one you've applied to. Yeah. Is that not like a conflict or anything? Or? No, I think because um, I, like, even in my interview, I talked about Visible. Um, and okay. I said, we actually applied to you guys. <laughs> um, and like, they, uh, I think it's, you know, especially it's hard to be too aggy when everyone is just trying to do like a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, yeah, you actually made it to the shortlist. And I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and from doing it, I'm going to get a lot of the skills that we would have learned from doing the accelerator, mm-hmm. as well as a bunch of other skills that like, I've always been interested in this kind of more creative world and being able to use, like, I think on my first day, I meant to be writing a blog post and I was honestly like, I felt like such a nerd at school. I was like, I get to do this. <laughs> I, I just, I haven't been able to do stuff like that for so, so long. Like at uni, you can you can do your law essays and then you can do like an extracurricular and you have all these different facets that are completing your personality. So I think when you're working, it's so much harder, especially for lockdown because work is the only thing you can really do. So it suddenly becomes a lot more important that that's something that you think is fulfilling. Nothing is really cool. On top of that, like lockdown, because you get stuck in the same cycle. Eventually, I feel like you get bored of it. Even if you enjoy doing it, if you once you get stuck in that same cycle and, and you get bored, it's like, I feel like it's just very easy to stop doing as much work. So it's like somehow you, the thing is, yeah, before, like, cause this, we don't know when this lockdown's going to end. And I feel like we've been in it since like November, maybe mm. October. So it's like the moment we do get something fresh, it's going to be easy to kick back into getting other things done. But right now it's just the same loop of. I definitely think that like it's made it so much more exciting because it is. It's something happening in lockdown. Like it feels really, as you said, fresh <laughs> is exactly the word. I'm like, oh, something different. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Have, I don't know if I should be saying this, but like I've so I use the same speech in like every like job mm. interview <laughs> where like because I've only ever worked with startups and I've like That's mostly cool. mostly only applied for startups as well. Maybe a few big companies here and there, but uh, and on like interviews, I'm always like I always say the same thing where it's like, oh yeah, I don't want to work for a big company because like. Yeah, it's not really like I feel like a startup is changing the world mm-hmm. and like more obviously, or like my impact at a startup would be greater than my impact at a large company. So I'll be able to like make change more, kind of in those kind of words. Hopefully, no one's listening to this like at my current <laughs> job or any future job. <laughs> no, I, I, no, that's really cool. Lockdown as well. You mentioned like how Hamish mentioned there, like getting into the same routine and stuff you mentioned like there's a pressure of developing hobbies over lockdown is that something you've found 
I yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not sure about you guys have had any hobbies that you've tried to do. I think at the beginning of lockdown, when everyone's talking about like, oh, I can I can take a step back and I can smell the trees and I can bake banana bread, and I was like, I still have to work. Um, <laughs> you feel so like I want to be doing these things. I think there's so many different sides to it. On one side, I think it's so easy to like compare yourself to other people and be like, oh, that person's doing that, like why aren't I knitting a scarf? And then you kind of forget about what you are doing. I was working full time. I was starting a relationship. I was starting a business. And like, I think cooking is something that I really enjoy. So we've been cooking quite elaborate meals most nights for doing like different occasions. We'll like make a dinner out of it. And I like, it wasn't until I was talking about this podcast and like what I could talk about. I said to my family, it's yeah, I just feel like I haven't had any hobbies. And my boyfriend was like, you cook all the time. And I was like, oh yeah. And it's so easy to forget that you're doing things because you're thinking about what other people are doing and like, oh, but that's a cooler hobby. And I think I always have these ambitions or like this vision of like, oh, I'll go into the garden and I'll I'll draw the trees and I'll draw a bird and it will be so relaxing and then I can barely <laughs> doodle the floor. So <laughs> um, I think that's where the pressure comes into. Yeah, I think at the beginning of lockdown, I was, uh, I was saying I was going to get a six pack. <laughs> I called it a self-isolation six-pack. It that that didn't work out. Is that a pun, Aaron? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was. I definitely meant that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I went to read. I went to start reading. Not that I can't. I mean, I can read. Like I, I, mean, like, I, I said that as if I can't read, but like, I can read. But I went to like start like reading properly, like reading every night or something. Did you guys watch the write-offs at all? The write-offs. Yeah, it was on Channel 4 with Sandy Totsky and it was a two-part series teaching like adults with severe dyslexia how to read. So they all go through like a test at the beginning to determine their their reading age and some of them are like, you know, 60, 50, 40, maybe 20 and all their reading ages are like four, seven, maybe even younger. Like it's really, mm. really, really struggling and they, yeah, teach, they go on an intensive course and they also do these different challenges like going to the supermarket with an ingredients list and they're like all these different situations that I had never thought would be so difficult if you can't read mm-hmm. and it was really really amazing I highly recommend but we watched the first episode and it was great and then there was one night one morning we woke up and we were like royally hungover and I was about to like just dig into some re-watching normal people and my boyfriend was like oh we need to watch the last episode of the write-off and I was like oh yeah sure that, that sounds like a good idea and it was the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever watched. They're like, they go up in front of their family and friends and they're reading their speeches about what it's, learned to, what it's like to learn how to read. And we were just sobbing. Like, it was definitely hangover tears. I was like, I've never been so emotional, like crying in bed. I was, I was not ready for this emotional roller coaster today. Yeah, I know I probably have a lower reading age than I probably should because I read slower. But then if I have to read out loud, it's all over for me. Like, there's been instances where I tried to read something out loud or like a scripture whether it's like at uni or on the podcast actually and it's just gone south so I, I just don't read read out loud on the podcast or anything I just make someone else read it because I know it goes wrong <laughs> for me I would like to probably fix that but the only thing I think I'm going to read is Yash's book if um, Yash is releasing a book on mental health check it out if it hasn't for some reason released edit this out <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that's the, that's the, one, the first thing I want to like properly read apart from like just random news articles or anything I feel like I skim more than I bother reading I'm not too interested in reading a lot of stuff we've been trying to start a book club and it's been like i know for months there's a facebook group where we've been like yeah okay we'll sort it and i think everyone's too polite to be like right are we are we going to do this um and just <laughs> pass it i've been thinking of 
if I should try like an audio book, if that would be better. But I don't know. No, I need visuals as a thing. That's why like, so I can deal with subtitles. Like I can pretty much always keep up with subtitles and stuff, but I can't just read a fucking book. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's maybe different when you're like, so you living with friends. Yeah. Me and Hamish are both at home, like mm. with family. I feel like it's a bit of a different yeah. dynamic maybe. Honestly, they think, what the fuck am I doing when I'm holding this mic up? Because they don't fully understand the concept of a podcast or anything. And I'm not going to bother explaining it. But yesterday when I had the like temporary setup there, she kept trying to peek ahead. And I don't know if any came in on the webcam because we were on the Zoom call as well. I was just like, and then it's just like, it's sometimes so hard to do things at home. Like I prefer just being by myself. But then I'm also not ungrateful for being at home because you do get away with a few things here and there. <laughs> in the notes, I see uh, you moved in with your boyfriend's best friends. Yeah, yeah uh, what, what, what's, what's, what's going on there? Aaron can't be trusted in these scenarios, you know, so that's why, you, that's why he's saying what's going on there. No, no. <laughs> and, and you've also got dating someone at the start. You mentioned it as well, like briefly. When I think of like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, go on, you go. Uh, you no, go. it's just <laughs> it's just been a wild like roller coaster with like, again, being too much of a cheesy player. I like broke it up with my partner in like February. The guy I'm now dating was like a good friend, started like hanging out a lot more. And then in March, we actually got together. But again, you know, it hadn't been that long since I had just broken up with someone. So we're like, oh, like, this feels really, like, you know, when you're friends with someone before, we're like, this feels really good. Like, I think this is right. But like, let's just take it slow. Like, we'll take it slowly. We won't rush into anything. Make sure you've got time to process. And then like the week after lockdown was announced, like, I think we got together. And then the next day was my last day in the office. Because they were like, oh, everyone's being locked down. So you have to work from home. We're like. <laughs> Okay, okay. Basically saw each other every day that week. And then the UK went into total lockdown. And we were like, okay, well, maybe see you in three weeks or like see you when the lockdown's over. Oh, wasn't that weren't we naive? Um so then after the three weeks, he came over and I, I was living with one other person and they were isolating with their boyfriend. So I basically had this flat to myself. So he came over and stayed with me for two weeks. That was after dating for like essentially a week. We moved in together. We were definitely one of those pandemic couples. <laughs> and then he was living with a friend, didn't want to leave them by themselves. So I moved in with them. And yeah, I def- it definitely went from like being this whole, oh, this is so exciting, just getting to know you to like, okay, well, now I want all of your best friends to love me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was like, I think because it was over summer, it definitely felt a little bit more like, like you, we were doing all these theater nights and like we were able to have barbecues in the garden and I had just mm. gone from living with one other person and now living with like a group. At one point, there were seven of us all living in that flat because there was three couples, extra flat now. So we're like trying to schedule bathroom breaks. And yeah, seven couples with seven people with one bathroom it was fun. But it all seemed, I think, because it was all temporary and it was over summer and it was part of that like lockdown novelty of like, oh, well, this is never going to happen again. And I hadn't really lived in a group of people like that before where like you're also all best mates like I've lived I've always lived with friends but we've always been like uni friends for going out for drinks whereas not being able to do that like you're we having a lot more like as I said barbecues or cooking together and flat nights which is really fun and then one thing led to another and now me my boyfriend and his two best friends from uni are living together like we rented out a flat signed a tenancy agreement and I think like at that point we we're like okay this has just become wild <laughs> like we haven't been dating I think yeah, March is our anniversary and we've been living together since April or May. <laughs> it's been a bit yeah, longer. Yeah, fast. Yeah. And I, but you guys knew each other beforehand. Yeah, we actually met through Rahini. So 
Of the Dank the Gal for introducing me to Just shout out to the brothers for making out the friend zone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a long game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I think it's been, it's been an interesting experience. So then, you know, obviously when you start dating someone, everything is like so exciting and like the sun signs out of their ass and you just think they're like class. And then you get to know all everyone's flaws and you can't really hide them when you're living with someone. I think normally that happens over a longer period of time. But because we've been like, we were just thrown in together, you start like, and over lockdown, which is like such a stressful period, you know, we've had Christmases cancelled. Like I haven't been able to see my family in a year, like all these different, like really stressful things. And you're still trying to be like your best self. And then you obviously like have a bad day and you're like, oh, you're seeing me. And I think that's like combined by the fact I'm living with like his best friends. So I'm like, oh no, they're going to think I'm like, a, like insane. <laughs> so I think like that's been the hardest thing is that like all of your emotions are exposed, like completely exposed. Like if you're having a bad day or you're in a grumpy mood and you can yeah. kind of get away with it when they're your best friends, you can be like, oh, like, sorry, I'm just not having a good day. And you know that they love you and they're going to understand. But when you're like still trying to make friends, you're like, oh, they're going to hate me. But I think like, generally everyone is so lovely and we're all going through like lockdown together so I think being able to do we're doing like Saturday flat dinners and we're doing like we've had different like people have gotten new jobs or people have gotten increased salaries or people have gone published in their PhDs and we've been able to like have people to celebrate and like get a bottle of bubbly and be like oh like make an occasion out of it so I think we're all very like really grateful and like we're in a three-bed house with four of us so we've been able, this is actually a third bedroom that we were able to turn into an office. So now we have like an actual space. So I think we're all like insanely grateful that everyone is nice as well. <laughs> um, and it helps that it's two couples because I think like it almost makes it like less space. if You're taking up less space because it's not four people all trying to make their own space. It's almost like two units. Yeah. And nobody's uh, third wheeling. <laughs> no one's just like chilling on the side. I think there was like a really great moment where like one of um, so my Morgan school Duncan, one of his best friends is like an epidemiologist and works in like data and he got in touch because he wanted to help out with visible and he helps us with some of the data stuff and we were having a team meeting because obviously we had all these different people coming in from different like different friends or different like just reaching out and um, so we were going around and introducing and Reese was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm really good friends with Liv and I know her boyfriend. And I was like, I made it. He said, I was the friend. <laughs> and I think like... Success. Genuinely. And yeah, I definitely think, yeah, it's it's made that like jump from being like Duncan's girlfriend to like also their friend go a lot quicker, which has been a lot of fun. That happened with one of the friends in kind of like our group. So we kind of had like Friday Night Social slash Games Night. And as our in-house counsellor there would say, you were in the honeymoon phase. <laughs> But yeah, basically one of them was like, obviously, like, I guess we, we were all really good friends with obviously our friend. And then when she came in as the girlfriend to that, but then she just became like the own entity anyways, because we weren't like always going to tag her as, you know, this person's girlfriend or so on. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, obviously we don't live together, so that's a different dynamic. Like that's, I don't, I don't know how that would ever work, but yeah, like that's quite good to know. Cause I, I know she also did say it was overwhelming when she just joined in one of the social nights and it was just like seven or eight of us it's overwhelming because everyone has like a shared history so like yeah. hmm. 
And that's something that I'm not part of. But that's not necessarily, it's not a bad thing. It's just, I think overwhelming is the word because you're like, so, especially at the beginning, we were like, oh, I, I remember before when we realized that it was going to be the four of us living together. It, I was actually meant to live with Duncan and one of the guys before. It was going to be us, us three and Rahini and the flat fell through. That's how I met them all. So we kind of, when we ended up living together, we were like, oh, well, this is what was meant to happen anyway. And then the other guy's girlfriend and I, we were like, oh, let's have a coffee date. Like we should actually probably hang out before we live together <laughs> so I think like all of it's been yeah I think that's made it feel like slightly less overwhelming and I think yeah at the end of the day we're all in like a really like the rest of the UK and most of the world we're in an insane situation and um, so even like moving in with your boyfriend's best friends would be a weird situation but everything is weird in lockdown like there's always <laughs> yeah. gonna be things that you have to do to get around it and it's the thing that works it's worked best for us and I think it is it's I think we've gone quite good at like knowing when people need space and being able to say that like oh I'm just not no one yeah there's no pressure to be like always in the flat like having fun like you can go up to your room or and I think when we have had occasions like someone's birthday or anniversaries or things like that everyone's like quite cute like everyone's really excited I remember I actually I got my hair dyed over lockdown which was a brave decision with all the hairdressers closing I have to say I don't know what I was thinking but I got it dyed I remember so I'm naturally brunette podcast this isn't very good chat i'm sure but i'm brunette and i'm ginger now and go check out the insta <laughs> i remember coming back in after getting it dyed and like guys were like playing nintendo and they like paused the game and did like a drum roll to like see the hair and i think like moments like that, that like definitely made me feel like oh i'm like i'm part of this like they're my friends too <laughs> that's really nice yeah, yeah 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 i think yeah a lot of people go on about like how oh you shouldn't do this too soon you shouldn't do this too soon like in especially in like relationships, but I don't know. I feel like if it works, it works. If it works for you, do whatever. It's definitely our logic if we were like, we know that it's too soon. Like, no, you know, like, it wasn't like blind to us. We were like, no, this is a totally sensible decision, but it's the one that just made sense. And I think what was quite nice was that like, we were completely on the same page. Like it wasn't really a big discussion of should we do this? It was just the only decision that made sense because of the insane circumstances. So yeah, like, I guess we're all talking about like kind of moving in together or whatever and then like long distance friendships. So like you come from Northern Ireland originally, mm-hmm. according to the notes. <laughs> so yeah, did your friends from Northern Ireland move with you or did they just stay there? You say according to the notes, that makes me worry that I'm losing my accent. Um, no, I could, I was <laughs> going to ask, I was going to say, can you? Uh, I was going to mock you yeah. at one point when you said genuinely, but you said genuinely and I was going to, but I, I let, I held it back. I was like, there's no need for this. I get mocked by that every, like here. <laughs> I've never thought that there was something weird. I said, like, fair enough, like, coy, hoy now, brown coy. Fair enough, that's Northern Irish. <laughs> tell me tell me off the same power, Shar. But genuinely, I did not know that was something I said weirdly. And <laughs> I was like, a Sunday morning, there's no need for this to just sit down and <laughs> behave. Oh, I wish everyone everyone thought that thought the same as you, because... Most people don't sort of don't uh, hold back. They're make, they're making fun of. Oh no, I've been learning to hold back. Don't worry. Like it's, <laughs> it's not something I've always had. I'm sure Aaron can confirm. Always had. I still don't think you've had it. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I moved here six years ago, which is seems a bit crazy because I yeah I moved here for the first year of uni and have been here ever since. Um. On the whole, most like there were a few friends who moved to London as well, but on the whole, not that many. Most people left Northern Ireland. So like there were some people who went to other parts of England and some stayed in Belfast. Others went to Scotland and 
Holland and everything in between. Now I've got friends dotted like Gothenburg and Holland and where else is everyone? Oh yeah, someone is in uh, Korea. So everyone has gone all over the globe. And I think like, yeah, I think with lockdown, it's definitely been emphasized because we're, I think we've all had experience of maintaining long distance friendships. Like my friends from Northern Ireland are still like, you know, I, I've made such amazing friends in London and it's not like a comparative of like who who's closer, but I've always been so close to my Northern Irish friends and those are the friends I've like, I've kept for years and they've seen like you grow up, but without being able to like go back home and like check in on people, it's all so reliant on like video calling and texting. And I think especially with everyone working from home, everyone is so zoomed out. So when you're like, oh, shall we have a group Zoom? You're like, oh, do we do we have to? But I really want to talk to you. Do you guys like Annie Mack, the DJ? She wrote something really, really powerful over Christmas where she like talked about the condition of her, like the condition that she chose to live abroad was that she would be able to pit stop back home and like refuel um, on her like Irishness and find like the friends and remember who she is. And I thought like I shared that on Instagram and so many of like people who I wouldn't be necessarily super close with, but are definitely Northern Irish, like people I went to school with who are now living in London or living abroad. So many people like replied or talked to me separately being like, this just hit all the notes. <laughs> and like my best, like a group of best girlfriends from home, we call ourselves Kuma, Kate, Olivia, Meg and Amy. Um, <laughs> it was the WhatsApp group. It stuck. Um, uh, and the last time we saw each other was February last year because we all went to Gothenburg for a long weekend. And it just like, I still can't comprehend that it will be, I think I saw I saw Meg during one of the breaks in lockdown because she lived in England. And that day, like I haven't seen anyone else for a year. So I think yeah, it's something that it requires, like, like a relationship, you have to put a lot of time into it. I think like during breakups and like Christmas we're like especially Christmas because none of us were able to get home one person lives at home so they were they were able to see their family but everyone else was stuck and like a lot of us spent Christmas for the first like I had been away from home before but no one else had I think so it was a massive massive step and I think it was really nice that we were all there like talking about what we were going to cook and like what were we doing and yeah I was meant to go see my brother who lives in England um, and that got cancelled so they like sent me and another girl who got cancelled like pajamas and they got us like cheese and just like things like take care of so I think it's really nice knowing that you're supported by people even if they're not there. Yeah I, I kind of get the uh with with my friendship group from home, it's cool. it's kind of similar as like we've gone like long periods without seeing each other. Like I was at uni for four years. I lived in America for a year. One of my other friends from here like goes to Sheffield Uni. And he does architecture, so that's like a seven year degree. So we've been like away from each other for like long periods. And like even this lockdown, haven't seen haven't seen him for a few months now. But it's almost like when we are when we do meet up, like go to the pub or something, it'll be just pretty normal. But like everyone is like maybe has turned into different people but then as soon as you like meet up you almost refer back to who you were in school and like yeah yeah you get a drink or you go for a food and it just yeah it's some of my happiest memories are those reunions that we no, normally we try to see each other at least once a year and it's so weird that, that hasn't been able to happen and like having them over zoom is like it's amazing that we can do that but it will be honestly incredible whenever we can all see each other again yeah, yeah, for sure. Hamish, do you have any long distance friendships? Golden would be, a, but he wasn't a friend from home. We met at uni and he lives abroad. But in terms of long distance, I guess my friends from home when I went Warwick would have been long distance because 
I did kind of just log into my like Warwick bubble. I did speak to them, don't get me wrong. In recent times, we did, uh, I guess a year ago from now, go, we did play like a bit of Call of Duty together online, but usually we're in person. So like we don't do a lot of things online because we're always in person. And we're, whenever we're in person, it doesn't matter if we're just literally just chilling. It will always be fun. Like I can't think of a time where it's not fun. us just chilling together. I think what's nice about like living in the benefit of living in London and going to uni in London was that like at some point most people if not everyone visited or like lived in London for a year like Kate the girl I stepped visible with she appeared in London for a bit and we were able to have some London memories together as well and or people came because like if, even if you weren't living if you were living elsewhere in England it's always easy to get to like for better for worse London is so well connected and it meant that I got like to maintain a lot of friendships throughout the year without going home every weekend because people were usually visiting, which was really nice. I think, again, another benefit is that most people end up in London at some point, not everyone by any means. I think a lot of people from home maybe don't want to, but I've got a lot of friends now who are now working in London and it's been nice to kind of create another like Northern Irish bubble. Mm. I know bubble sounds like overused now. I don't mean COVID <laughs> bubble, but I'm like another Northern Irish network in London and it has been really nice. Do you miss Northern Ireland? I do. I think like I re- I really miss it and I really love it and I don't but I don't know if I want to live back. Yeah. And I think it's difficult because like the first year and maybe second year of uni, everyone everyone went back for the same holidays. Like everyone was always back for Christmas. Everyone was always back for Easter and summer. So you yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. But I think when we got further into uni, the overlap became slightly less. Like Christmas usually. But summer, it was always like people would go back for like a week or two, maybe not necessarily the entire summer because people like had summer jobs, or were traveling. So you like were trying to overlap with everyone. So I think like I really, really miss Northern Ireland and like some of my like fondest memories go back to like being in like sixth year and being with all my friends there. But I also like love London and where I am now. Yeah, I, do, I do really miss it. And I think when I fly back and like being able to, like touch ground it is always like always like almost surprising how emotional it is because I don't go home like I had friends who went home like very often but I had like I worked most of my time throughout uni so I wasn't able to like get time off to go for like huge amount of periods so I'm, I've been used to taking time away from it but as like the quote at the beginning like w- with the understanding that home was always close like it's a 45 minute flight I should be able to do it really quickly and when I went back in March I had no idea that it would be a year from like when I got to come back again, yeah, that's wild. I, I still can't, like, I've got a little sister who is five. So it's crazy that an entire year of her life will have passed without seeing her. Yeah, that is, yeah. When I, when I lived in America, uh, I didn't come back, like, to the UK for the whole duration I was there mm. for a year. And then when I came back, I was I was generally, like, quite emotional. Yeah. Yeah, just home, really. And, like, the, yeah, I'm so I'm so excited about, I keep on talking about, like, oh, when lockdown's over, and, like, people I'm living with now, those, those boyfriend's friends that I'm making mine I'm like oh you have to come over we'll do a pub crawl um and like, I, I yeah I just really want to be able to like I want there to be a big party with everyone it's just like <laughs> to everyone to meet but I feel like we're just gonna have like a, a month-long party for everyone to meet everyone to be honest you know the Friday night thing I was just saying about like the April 2020 I was planning to organize like meeting up those particular friends groups anyways or those people hmm. but then it just happened online because obviously everything happened and yeah, like since then, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I just want to meet people in person again. It's like this is there's only so much we can do online or sit like this. 
yeah, like there's so many walks you can do. <laughs> we, yeah. uh, when I, because I, yeah, I was leaving my job but last Friday, my old manager drove over to my house and dropped off like a bunch of leaving presents from the team. Um, but it was a complete surprise. So she like knocked on the door and I answered in my slippers. Luckily, I was like well dressed everywhere else, but mm-hmm. I'm like right now I'm also wearing slippers. And I like opened the door and she was like surprise and like <laughs> had like two bags of presents that she left on the door. And it was honestly like seeing another person. I was like, I haven't seen you in a year. Like what? Like I was like, this is so exciting. You're in the flesh. It's not a screen. <laughs> That's really nice. My friends say I've got um, live luck, something amazing. Like I'll get some really, really good luck. And then something just like absolutely fucked will happen. <laughs> it's like no in between. Like I'll get a free coffee from Pratt and then my laptop will break. Like there's <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Uh, we, we, yeah, we've, we've covered quite a lot of, lot of bases today uh should we start to round up sure yeah so we sent you a plan so you got like the kind of layout of how this ends so we got like some final questions a call out and then shout out to end it off so the final questions we have first one is one word you would use to describe yourself yeah the phrase i would go for is like definitely cold hands warm heart i am cold all the time i have like my hands are freezing that is the that was why I've been inside the heater. One year, my an old flatmate he tried to get me a like a Persian cookbook, but he accidentally ordered it in Persian. Okay. <laughs> I, like, he was like, "Oh crap!" I was like, "I can't give you this." So instead, he sent it back and got me like a mini heater for my room. So I think like the cold hands definitely sounds true, and I like to think I've got a warm heart. I I think of myself as a wannabe do gooder. So I'll stick with that. That's what I say. Cold, cold hands, warm heart. Is that like coined by you or is that like an actual like phrase? Uh, no, I think it's an actual phrase as much as I would like to take credit. <laughs> that's, that's a sick phrase. I mean, my hands and feet are always freezing. Like this, this, I just never get to get them warm. I think it might actually be my Instagram bio. <laughs> <laughs> the second question is, what's on your bucket list? I think my bucket list has like become a lot less exciting since lockdown. Now it's like, I want to go out for dinner and I want to see someone in real life. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think most of my bucket list is definitely revolves around traveling. I think that's the thing I miss the most, being able to travel and plan holidays and see interesting parts of the world. Any, any particular place? I watched a documentary on Cuba recently. Okay, yeah. Cuba and the cameraman, if anyone is looking for watch recommendations. It was amazing and I would love, like I, yeah, I touched on the beginning, I love cooking, I love food. So going to places like really intense cultures, mm-hmm. I always think it's really interesting. No, wicked. Number three, and this is a question we ask every guest, is what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? Oh, I actually do have a story for this. I went to the recorded leg lodge with a friend a few years ago and she like she was like, oh, I'm going to head home. And I was like kind of fancying another drink. And two of my friends from uni walked in and I was like, oh, like my friends are there. Like, oh, don't worry. I'll just hang with them. And then I like, sat with them I was like oh guys let's get a drink and she was like well, before she left she was like are you sure Liv? like that looks like it's a date and I was like no 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 like I know them like that's <laughs> it's clearly not a date like they wouldn't be dating and I sat down and then I kind of thought like is it a date um so <laughs> when the girl went up to get a drink I like said to the guy I was like is this a date like fuck am I like am I completely third reeling like I will leave and he's like, no, 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 don't be silly, don't be silly. And I'm like, no, you can tell me, like, I won't tell anyone. I just need to know if you want me to get out of here. And he's like, no, no, stay. You should definitely stay. And I was like, okay, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I want you to stay. It'll be fun. And I was like, okay, okay. So the three of us, like, continue to drink. 
And then we went to Las Iguanas because they're always open for more cocktails. And we went there and then she went to the, no, sorry, he went to the bathroom. So I turned to her and was like, is this a date? And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I will get out of here. And then he came back and I was like, oh, I'm, go- I'm going to go. I'm going to head. Like, it's getting late. And he's like, oh, why are you leaving so early? And I was like, why are you questioning this? I'm trying to get out of your date. <laughs> Do you I want know, to be on this date? <laughs> this is, I think it was just pure awkwardness. And then I like excused myself and I pointed out at a later date that that was uh, their first, that was the day they had their first kiss. And I was like, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. Maybe they wouldn't have had the first kiss if you didn't crash it for a while. You, you know, know, it's good good talking material. No one there. You can just talk about your random friend. You couldn't read a situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the next section is a call-out slash nomination. So you can call out one of many people to hopefully come on the um, podcast in the future and we'll just add them on the socials or so on. Yeah, I'll call out Duncan Wallerspoon. He is my boyfriend, but he's doing cool things with his PhD. And I also think he'd have yeah, I think he'd have a lot to talk about. And I want to hear if he's as nice about me on his podcast as I was about him. <laughs> <laughs> cool, awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll tag him in your episode. Last bit is a shout out. So basically, anything you just want to like give a plug to, uh, now's your chance. So yeah, Olivia, anything? Oh, definitely a physical platform. Um, if you think it sounds interesting, please share it amongst your friends, especially. Yeah, you can find us on the website, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram is probably where we're most active in terms of socials. So please do share posts. And yeah, just let people know that we're there because we want to help. And the more people you know about us, the better. Yeah, awesome. Hamish? Yep, I was going to shout out a song by B. Young called Ride For Me and obviously Visible Platforms. So go check them out, Aaron. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm going to shout out, same thing I shouted out last week. So and Hamish shouted out in like middle of the episode. A good friend, Yash, guess on the first episode, released a book or wrote wrote a book and like released an ebook uh, called Dear Depression. It's almost like kind of like a diary, like a collection of letters like that he's wrote to himself. So yeah, go check that out. And it should be like available on Amazon. Uh, link for that will be in the description. So, and I think all, all the money is going to good cause as well. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Olivia, for uh, coming on. Nice meeting you as well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. And yeah, all, all links to like Visible and everything will be in the description. And yeah, hope, I think I already said hope everyone enjoys it, but I hope you enjoy it again. <laughs> and yeah, we'll just speak to you next week. All right, see everyone. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Peace, Chris, never too hard for the peace. I've seen some things, my brothers, they're losing their peace. I just only go out with the flu.